Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. After five years in the foster system, 18-year-old Emilia Andrea returns to her family home to rebuild a fractured relationship with her mother and her younger half-siblings. Over the course of the next two years, a determined Amelia begins to heal the trauma that haunts her, learns to speak truth out loud, and take her first steps towards a self-determined future. And the film is called All That I Am, and we're joined today by the director, Tona Greciord Glenna. Tona, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. This is a remarkable documentary. Um, Congratulations first on uh, being a part of the Hot Docs Film Festival this year. But the level of access that you have to Emilia's life is remarkable. And I'm very interested in how you got to know her. And in that process, in, in that answer, where did you decide, I really want to do a documentary about her life? I wanted to make a film about child sexual abuse. So it started um, on that side before meeting her. You know, some, sometimes you meet a person and that leads you into making a film. But uh, in this case, it was the subject. And that led me into finding Amelia. Uh, and I think for me, it, it was just so many stories out there about uh, children that had lived with sexual abuse for so many years, being surrounded by adults who hadn't been able to see, recognize or act. And uh, so that was the reason, that was the starting point for the whole film. Uh, But I wanted to make a film uh, about a young person, also because I knew that it took well, in average, it takes 17 years before, uh, before they're ready to talk about their abuse. So I felt like if you, could, if you could find a young person who would be able to share their story, that would make an emotional impact that could really contribute to changing things. And, um, and I went to the Norwegian Police Department and uh, Barnhusa, who are the ones who do the interviews for court uh, with the kids that has been abused. So Amelia had been there when she was 12. Um, and they introduced me to Amelia. And, um, and I knew immediately when I met her that this person, uh, you know, this is the one I want to make a film about. Um, but yet I didn't tell her, you know, she's with her background. I felt I needed to be really, really sure uh, that she would have a good experience in making that film, that, it, that she would feel uh, safe and that she would be empowered by the filmmaking itself and by the film being launched. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with her and her family for about, I think it took like half a year before I actually asked her if she wanted to be part of the film as a subject and not part of the research team <laughs> that, that we discussed first. Um, so I had to be very patient and to wait. Um, yeah, but that was uh, the right decision, I think, because Amelia, she, you know, it, she, she likes to, she, she needs things to move slowly so that she can feel safe all the time. 
and uh, and I think we needed that time just to get to know each other before we started to work on the film. So that was that was good. When you started talking about it with her to filming her life, uh, in the film we see how guarded she is. So curious, sort of those first few days of filming her, sort of how did that? How did you make her as comfortable as? She is, and I say that in the context of just how, how she is about her life, how cautious and how she's suffering from post-traumatic stress mm. symptoms. Um, I mean, that has, that's a testament to you as a sort of, a, as a filmmaker and as a, someone who was able to kind of navigate these waters, but what were those first few days like for, for her and for you to sort of get that comfort level to where, you, you've, where, where we see it in the film? She, one of the first things that she told me, she said, uh, you know, when I was a child, I always had to trust my gut feeling. And that was, you know, that's what made me survive. That she, and she said, when I, uh, when I got to know you, I just felt that this film <laughs> would, it will be good. Like she said, I, I really just had that gut feeling that this film will be it's safe to be in this film. I mean, there was some learning steps to do. Uh, she, she was very clear that uh, she was very comfortable with us filming her when she was with other people. She did not want us to film her when she was completely alone in the room. Like that felt uncomfortable to her. And she, she liked me to come and be with her. And it's like a three hours drive between our houses. So she liked me to come a couple of days before and to spend time with her before the actual shoot, even though we didn't never talked about the shoot or what we should film. She just liked that and that I stayed a couple of days after. She was also very, in a way, she'd been very lonely in her life for many years, living in different foster homes. I think she lived in five different addresses. And I, and I think she, that she was able to tell her story and that she had someone that was really interested in getting to know her. And, you know, we didn't talk about the abuse or those things, but to get to understand her feelings now and taking her seriously. And I think, I think that was, uh, that was the main part. And then the camera, I didn't really, she didn't mind the camera. She yeah. didn't really notice the camera. She was just really, into the situations that she was into. You must have been very discreet in the way that you filmed her. It, it just feel, just watching her move around uh, in the spaces that we see her in and, and how it just felt, it felt watching it like you really, not only her comfort level, uh, you had gained her confidence in that way, but you, I'm just, you, it's, it looked like you were very stealthy in the way that you went about filming her and, and I guess what really impresses me about all that I am is how unguarded she is even though she is guarded but at the same time she's still you can see that she wants to talk about what happened you can mm -hmm. see it you know and, and how she how she interacts with the, the therapist that she's with and so I mean it's a it's a really valuable film on the level of just for people who who may or may not be dealing with this, a trauma like this, to be able to see someone else go through it in the way that you were able to get from Emilia. Is that right? Or does that feel no, like... No, I understand your question better now. Um, I think 
you know, for me, what was the most like heartbreaking when I had my first conversation with her was that she had never been able to talk about her story in any of the foster homes, in any of the schools, uh, not at home with her mom. Nobody wanted her to look back. Everybody wanted her to heal by looking forward. Uh, so it's like she was exploding with that story inside her. And, and I had this idea really uh, early on uh, together with the DOP Egil uh, that we wanted to make the film uh, and stay as much as possible only on her face mm -hmm. and have everybody else in the film to be side characters, out of focus. You see the back of their hair while you're watching Amelia's face and to treat it like that, to give her that space and to really be... Uh, you had to listen to her. In this sure. film, you really have to listen to her. Right. And not only with your ears, but to take in all her expressions. And, and to film in that way, um, you know, that really um, acquires quite a lot of the subject. You know, you can't do that with just anyone. Right. Uh, so the first day we filmed, we filmed for only 10 minutes. And it was like a really snowy day uh, with like heavy snow falling down and she's standing outside and, and we're asking her to look into the camera and just like be herself for 10 minutes while we push record. And, and during those 10 minutes, and I watched that take so many times, she goes from like being shy, being happy, being like, questioning, crying, sad, all of those emotions. It was just amazing. And that's when I felt, okay, we can really, we can really make a film observing her face as she goes through her experiences as a young adult. And that will contain so much emotions and so much, I don't know, um, unsaid things uh, that could really add to understand how it feels to live with trauma. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you. That's, yeah, that's, that's fills in a lot of, of how I saw it and how I was, as I was watching your film. That's, thank you for that. Uh, the, um, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with the director of the new documentary film called All That I Am. It, uh, is this a premiere of it at, at Hot Docs or is this, uh, have you screened this as a world premiere anywhere else? No, this is the world premiere, and world premiere. yeah, super happy for it to be at Hot Talks. Well, yeah. congratulations on that. The director is Tona Gretjord Glenna. There's another. There's a. There's all of that getting to know Emilia, and also the part where we see how she's navigating her her future, her her coming to grips with the things that have happened to her. And not only do we see the, the interactions with her mother and her siblings, but there's also the, the, the institutional issues, right? People who are a part of the, I assume the government welfare system who are trying yeah. to steer her into getting on track with their life, whether it be through an educational opportunity or whether it be for a job opportunity that they could be exploring with her and her, reticence and this is part of the arc of the story as well her initial reticence to do anything and as we see through the course of the film how she begins to turn outward a little more and more um that's an important part of the story and i th i think here in america we don't 
I don't think we have that level of institutional commitment that I see in, in Norway. And I, I want to be fair to Norway and fair to America here, but is that, is that an accurate assessment of, of what the institutions are willing to do for people in her position? Yeah, yes. I think in Norway, in uh, general, uh, everyone is expected to have a job. So if you don't have a job uh, and you then cannot support yourself, uh, you will be put in system by the welfare administration and, and they will test you out for job opportunities. Um, so the welfare system, you know, in the beginning when we started to make the film, I saw it more as a daughter-mother uh, story. Uh, but very quickly, as we started to film, the welfare uh, institution in Norway, they called her and they said, you've been receiving this amount of money every, uh, every month for a year now, while you've been going to treatment. But now we think uh, you shouldn't be in treatment anymore. You should get a job. So for the next year, we will test you out in different jobs to see, you know, whether you can work 100% or 20% or how much you can work. But, but now it's time for you to go out into society as a full member. So, so that, was, that was the background of why she was in there. But when she then came into the welfare system, you know, you see she has a therapist, she has a, a work educator, she has uh, the administration woman. So it's a lot of people around her. And I would say everybody wants her best. Everybody desperately yeah. wants to help her. But for, but on the other side, I, there is a gap in wanting to help her achieve their goal for her also, meaning for her to start to work. But, but for them to maybe understand that this was not the right time for her to start to look for work or to understand the health issue, to understand how the trauma really affected her in that process of finding jobs or finding an education. Yeah, that's, when, that's where it's not working so well, I would say. Right. Well, we haven't talked uh, a lot about the abuse the trauma that she suffered. And I, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to give too much away in terms mm -hmm. of uh, what, this, what this film is about, but she suffered a severe abuse. And, and so this is where institutions and reality kind of clash. I think that's sort of what you're talking about in that given what she went through at, at the age that she went through it is, it's unimaginable. And it's also very easy to understand why she is so very, very reluctant to step back out into a world that she may, she would rightfully view as hostile. Mm. And, and especially in the midst of what she was going through, she suffered a, a trauma at school that I think scarred her for a long time and will yeah. scar her for a long time. So there is, and that's again, the value and the, the interest of, of, all that I am is that you're, this is real time stuff. And these are things that are happening uh, and playing out and we're seeing it, like I said, in real time. So yes, to your, I'm just sort of reinforcing your answer here a little bit in terms of just the system says, Hey, there are 2000 different kinds of jobs. I think that was the number that was thrown out 
at one point. Was that right? Yeah, it's 7,000 jobs out there. 7,000, yeah. Yeah, and, and we can maybe look at 20 of them, they say. That was, yeah. Yes, yes. So here we go. Let's get going. And she, understandably, right, is reluctant yeah. to do any of it. So to watch her face, as you described earlier, to watch her face, and I so appreciated watching her in that, in that sort of up close, as we see her in the film, and how her face and her bearing changes over the course of the film as well. She looks bit, she looks different. So I, I don't know what my question is in all of this, but uh, is, is that right? Am I, is that a fair assessment of, of, of what we see in the film? Well, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, um, I think she's so, you know, I don't know if that is uh, human nature, to try to do, but you know, uh, Amelia, she is really scared because the abuser is going to be released from prison. That at one point in the film, we learn that the abuser is going to be released, and she receives this letter from the police who says, You know, he's going to be released now. If you meet him in the streets, you should just turn around and walk another way, right? And for her, that's you know, terrifying. And she tries to bring that up with several of the adults, both in her family and in, in, in the system. Uh, but they're all rationalizing it, you know. No, he wouldn't do that again. He wouldn't show up on the door. You know, it's, it's very unlikely that you will meet him. <laughs> but that doesn't take away her affair. So she understands that they're not really getting her. And that in the meetings, you can see, you know, she puts her hands straight down, she puts her head down, right. and she fades out of her own meetings. Uh, and they're not able to pick that up. They're not picking up on it. Uh, and I think that was one of the strongest things for me when we launched the film, uh, that showing the film to adults that has those positions, uh, it was like holding a mirror up for them. Uh, and for them, and the emotional impact it had on them during those screenings and the discussions that came up was just um, amazing, basically. They, and, and yeah, that was very moving. And um, the, the, what's it called, the welfare and work department right. on a governmental level have now shown interest in using the film uh, to educate all the people that work in the welfare administration in Norway, oh. across oh, the nation, uh, because they feel that the, that the film holds up this mirror, or Amelia's voice is, is a mirror for them to actually understand and, and learn from. That must feel very gratifying for you and for, yeah. for Amelia. Um, you said something earlier that, you know, all these people have the best of intentions the best interest for her at heart so even with the best of intentions you cannot see something that's right in front of you and and i i don't think that's a a, a knock uh, i'm not disparaging the people who are trying to do this work because uh this is difficult work dealing with people who are in a traumatic situation everyone's mm. different it's it's hard to keep your radar focused when but I, I, I appreciate that you bring that up because I think that is the real core of our impact campaign. Yeah. That even with the best interest, you cannot do that job well enough. It's not enough with good intentions. You really need to be educated and, and that cannot be left up to each employer by itself. It has to be uh, done by 
by political will and structure uh, but it's um, it's it really takes you know you need to educate people in both in be able for teachers as we see in the film for teachers to be able to understand uh, when a child comes to you and 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 says I, th I think I'm morning sick you know what does that actually mean is she trying to tell me something else that that needs you need to be educated to be able to pick up recognize and act on that and I guess the same for every uh, position you have in the work life uh, working with kids and, and young people you need to be educated in order to understand uh, understand trauma better uh, yeah in, in so it so <laughs> good intention takes you far but it doesn't take you does as it far as it needs to be taken does it take you far enough sometimes and yeah absolutely well I want to let our listeners know how they can find out more about the film or the website for the film is? It's www.allthatiammovie.com. Allthatiammovie.com. The www part, but allthatiammovie.com. And this will take you not only to information about the film, but also information about the campaign, what people can do, how they can be involved. Hopefully we can bring more of that to the United States, more of what I, because I do give, uh, you know, I feel like looking at watching uh, All That I Am, there is a more concerted effort in Norway to do the right thing, even though as we're talking, not always works that way. And uh, we need more of that. There's, we're, and we're now in a world where a lot of trauma is taking place yeah. all over the world and in ways that uh, will play themselves out for years to come. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's um, no matter what the trauma comes from, uh, living with trauma is um, it's something that needs to be understood and, and you have to be able to break the taboo around that yeah. amongst young people to, uh, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you in the last minute, literally the last minute I'm going to have with you. How has this changed you and your, your outlook on, on life? What Amelia taught me was that um, is to bring out a much more patient side of me, not not thinking. I, I think you know it's very easy. I can recognize myself in all the adults uh, in the film. Uh, it's so easy just to say things or to have a solution to the problem or to um, to try to fix things or you know. Um, yeah. But to actually just listen and, and be there. And I think that is the biggest thing that I learned. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful film to look at. I love the opening shot. I love the closing shot with Emilia. And I just, there's so many things. It's a beautiful film to look at, but it's also something that will will break your heart and make your heart feel good at the same, at, by the end of it about someone's resiliency in the case of Amelia mm -hmm. and um, what she went through is on, like I said, is unspeakable. Uh, so my congratulations to you for your work here. Uh, Tona Gretjord Glenna, thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio. Thank you. And thank you for the very nice words.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.